Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We want to welcome to the microphone uh, Joe Bizarro of Interstate Mitsubishi. Welcome, Joe. Welcome. How are you? How's everything going? You forgot Interstate Nissan, too. And Interstate Nissan, yes. of course. Gosh. Yep. All right. So i got to get my notes here. All right. So let's. We, this is a family show. We like to talk about origin stories. Did you grow up here, Joe, or did you transplant in at some point? I, uh, I actually grew up here in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, probably in my mid-20s. I moved down to, not probably, in my mid-20s, I moved down to Pittsburgh for okay. a while. Um, went to work down there, wanted to get to a bigger city, see what it was all about, um, and got some good experience down there. So where'd, where'd you go to high school and you know all that stuff? I went to high school at McDowell. Okay. Right you're, yeah. McDowell, did you play any sports or did theater? What'd you do? What yeah, was your yeah, fun stuff that I you did? I probably should have done all that, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I was too interested in the car business. I actually yeah. got into the car business, uh, started cleaning cars at 14 years old. That's a, that's a reality for a lot of folks in your line of work, isn't it? Like they just want to they want the proximity effect. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think that is a reality in ours uh, our automotive industry because the guys that nor- that come up first generation car dealers normally start at the bottom and grow right up through into their own dealerships. Is there is there like a classic car that or like maybe your first car? What was like your favorite when you were a kid like that? Well, when I was a kid, that's funny you asked this because I just had my car from when I was a kid redone. Actually, um, when I was growing up, I always wanted a Corvette. So I started working actually at 12, started saving up until I was 19. I finally had enough money to buy a 78 Corvette, which I wow. still have today. That's amazing. Yeah. And you just got it redone, huh? Just got it redone. It was sitting in the garage for 12 years. <laughs> and I said, you know, I want to get it out and drive it. And my daughters love it. And we just drive it around. You, it looks good. You're going to add that cor- those Corvette shows to another thing on your schedule. Uh, yeah, I, I might try that. <laughs> might try that, at least the cruisings yeah, or something, something like that. All right, we wanted to we wanted to talk about the car buying experience, and I'm going to start with uh, just Erie as an automobile market. Is it considered a good market in the industry? I consider it a great market, actually. Um, it's a little different than bigger city markets that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Erie people, um, they want you to be transparent with them. They want to look at you know, what you're advertising, what I can get it for, and not come into the dealership and it be totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do our ads and stuff, we whatever we have, we have it in stock and, and we can sell it for whatever price you see. Um, and I think that's what our clientele appreciates a lot. Do they? Does that require you then to hold on to a lot more inventory than maybe a typical dealership would have? Yeah, well... Um, with Mitsubishi, we sell a lot of cars there, so yeah. we need to keep a lot in stock. Because uh, if you do come in and we're running a special, we don't want to be down to our last one and just yeah. sell it. So we have you come in, whatever advertised car, we'll have it every time. Wow, every that's time. that's amazing. Absolutely, be, be, because because uh, I always wondered, you know, when you hear somebody say that they're a volume dealer, like, well, why wouldn't you want to be a volume dealer? I I don't know. I I like volume uh volume gets you know your customers coming through your dealership and and, uh they they're repeat customers like getting nissan now we have a lot Mm -hmm. of customers that i really didn't realize but they were mitsubishi owners and maybe their husband or their wife or their daughter was a nissan owner interesting so with the volume uh it just brings you know a lot of people through your door and i'm a people person i like yeah i like talking to people sometimes i think i talk too much but you know, <laughs> well you seem to be able to make a connection with nearly everybody that goes through your door at least the, the times that i've been at the store i i pretty much have have caught an eye, caught your eye or something like that you yeah. know and so it's it's interesting how that is um the the, one more thing about the eerie the eerie buyer uh and again we talk about this you know you know when we talk about let's say waldemir you know yeah you know, waldemir is perfect for eerie because you can walk on for free you can just go and buy an ice cream and and you know look at the lights and and, and people watch or whatever and you're out a two dollar ice cream right right i mean eerie eerie likes those price points 
I, I noticed that on your uh, on your uh, ads, it's always like the one ninety nine or the two nineteen or the two forty nine. Is that an eerie thing, or is that? Yeah, you know, I think um, I don't want to say it's just an eerie thing. I think a, a lot of uh, dealers market across the country with special payments and prices. That's called a price leader. Um, what I noticed about our customers um, when they get a vehicle for a good value. Um, and it's all laid out in front of them. That's what really attracts them to come into your dealership instead of, you know, a lot of car dealers have uh, a bad rap mm. when you go in because you you come in for one price and, hey, no, it's more. Uh, I'm not saying all dealers. Right. Okay. I, I don't want to yeah. judge any dealers here, but that's what we get away from when they come into our dealerships. You know, they, they appreciate that. They're not coming in, driving a car, talking to a salesman for two, three hours and then find out. That's not the price. That's not the car. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's a, a, a strong distinction. We're talking to Joe Bizarro from Interstate Mitsubishi. If you have a question, 679-1080, or you can leave it on our Facebook live feed. All righty. So let's talk about this time of year. Now, this is this like Christmas for y'all because the new the new models are coming in? Um, yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. And, and, you know, the manufacturers really incentivize the following model year. Um it's eerie. I'll tell you, eerie business is good all year round. Okay. The only time that we really notice a dip is right in between uh, Christmas and February 1st when the auto show ramps up. January is always a tough month. Uh, I take that back. Because of the weather? Yeah, because of the weather and everybody's done with the holidays because you have Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Um, and another one is right around school going back. Yeah. But other than that, you know, business is pretty good and strong all year round. All right. So, um, do you you know when you you've heard growing up here, we're making way for the new twenty twenties, and so uh, is it really a good time to buy the twenty nineteens, or does it matter that much? Yeah, you know, everybody. I, at least I want to say my dealerships both have all the twenty twenties in the two thousand nineteens. Like I said, the manufacturers are really stepping up their incentives and rebates to get those moving because obviously they want to get mm-hmm. the twenty twenties on dealers. Uh, ground and and get those starting to be displayed especially a lot of auto shows start around the end of january and ramp up and all the new products displayed okay so you're you're able to see the 2020s like at the detroit international auto show back in january you you could start seeing stuff well you know sometimes they do have the models there okay and some have them launched but no you start when we have our auto shows we want to start displaying the 2020s okay Uh, you probably the earliest I've ever seen a model year come in was like March, April. Gotcha. When they, it's like usually that specialty model, yeah, or, it's like where it's a launch or, or whatever. Yeah, it's a little, it's very rare, but you do see that. So yeah, I re, I remember again talking about Nissan when the new Maxima came out. Again, this is a million years ago, but I had a Maxima, uh-huh. and I don't know, if, I don't think they make that anymore. Oh yeah, they do. Oh, they do. That okay, car is great. Yeah. Well, they had changed the the total design of it, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was one of those. Those deals where the new design came out like in a in a march or april you know just to say hey this is <laughs> i think it was like the 1988 <laughs> maxima or something like that joe i mean that's how long ago this wow. was right but uh, yeah i i drove a, an 85 i drove an 85 love that car um the all right so uh are you gonna show oh Oh, okay. Yeah, the so it's still the four four door sports car, basically. Yep. And that that car <sighs> is a very, very, very underrated sports car because that car is you have luxury plus mm-hmm. you have the sport feel to it. Probably when you had yours, you probably yeah. remember that. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it was. Absolutely, you're getting a phone call. Nope. <laughs> Can't answer that. <laughs> All right. So so let's talk about the Erie buyer. Are they does Erie like their features in their cars? You know, I. I find that it's a mix of it. Yeah. Um, I notice more in my Nissan brand that you have the buyer that likes more of a luxury. Mitsubishi, um, it's got a great warranty. It's a great car. I think it's one of the most dependable cars out there. Um, but they're kind of more basic. That, yeah. car, that car fits everybody. It fits you know older folks that are retiring, young kids going to college, someone that just wants to have a third car. Uh, it's 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 mix between both the both dealerships and i would imagine that uh at the higher ups at 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 the at the brands they really do have targets right for 
for, you know, you know, people groups that are going to fit the mirage or or fit, you, you know, uh you know your your higher end uh, four, uh, four wheel drive on the Nissan. I mean, there's there's definitely they could identify who's the type of uh, market that they're going for for each brand. Yeah, that's called the demographic. What demographic's sure. going to be in the car? Um, they have a pretty good idea going into it with all the focus groups they do. But sometimes, you know, you have it a veer off where you get a few different stragglers and different age groups that buy the cars. But yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, good. yeah. So, and so you can you can you can focus the the marketing on that. Um, the you know, in Erie, Erie likes four wheel drive because of the snow. How much does that impact you know what your inventory looks like? I think we all like the four wheel drive. In <laughs> right. um, yeah. it, it impacts a lot, you know. Uh, Having the four-wheel drives in stock and, and how the Mitsubishi four-wheel drive works with the front-wheel, four-wheel, um, they go through the snow grade, even the mm. Nissan product. Probably a lot of the four-wheel drives today that are built go good. But I think a big percentage of the four-wheel drives are sold up here, up north here in Erie. And, and what, what's that model that's like the larger one that you have on the on the Mitsubishi lot? Is that the Outlander? Yes, that's called the Mitsubishi Outlander. And that's the that's the four-wheel drive. It's kind of like in that realm of you could fit a bunch of kids in there and yeah, so on. That has a third row seat, seven passenger, and then we have the uh, Outlander Sport. And then I'm not sure if you knew that Eclipse Cross had just came out. No. Launched last year. It's a good looking car. That's what I'm driving actually today. Um, that is more of a competitor towards like uh, the uh, midsize SUVs. I okay. don't want to use any other brands. Right. Yeah. But I'll say the Nissan Rogue. It's more yeah. of a competitor like that. It, and and, and the, the Rogue is a pretty popular brand. That is actually the best selling SUV in the United States. It is. Is that right? It is, wow. Yes. It was as of last year. Wow. Yeah. How how uh, I know that uh, on the on the Nissan side you have a truck you have that Titan right yes the, the how does that do because again uh, the U S is a big truck market yeah you know Erie's a big truck market too yeah. it's pretty pretty big I'm amazed at the trucks that are in the city I Joe know, right I mean you know fitting <laughs> yeah. in those little parking spaces yeah it's uh to, to get back to saying about yeah. the trucks. That Titan has been redesigned. It's always been a top-selling truck. Uh, they designed the truck to come up against the competitors. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Erie are starting to notice the truck. We sell a nice amount a month. Uh, that's not our volume vehicle, right. but we do. And actually, we just ordered uh, through um, Rocky Ridge. They're starting to put those K2 packages on, those pumped-up trucks with okay. nice wheels. Uh, we got one in about six months ago and sold it, so we got a couple more on order. It's a good-looking truck, so it's it's very diverse, that truck. And Rocky Ridge is the, the plant for that truck? Yeah, that's the ones that do all the lift kits and the okay. nice wheels and the bumpers and just trick out the Boy, truck. Boy, there, there are... There are all kinds of options like that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So, Joe, um, I'm interested in where technology is with these automobiles because, um, you know, for a long, you know, for a long time, you used to say, hey, it's still the internal combustion engine. You know, it's like it's the same kind of thing. But now we're talking that uh, there's so there's not that's not even the case you know, because you, you can have an electric car like your Nissan Leaf, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of uh, the manufacturers are putting a little focus on the electric car. Right now, the Nissan Leaf I was telling you about, we, j- as I was literally pulling out a Nissan to come here to see you, we were just getting them off the truck. Wow. Those things do about 210 miles to charge. And talking about safety, I was telling you about the safety shield that Nissan has. Um, that comes standard in their cars. They're actually wow. going with standard equipment. Other manufacturers, you have to go up a few different trim levels to do that. Nissan feels it's a big safe thing, uh, so they're putting it in there. It's a safety shield. Something pulls out in front of you, you're not paying attention. Texting and driving like 90% of Americans wow. do. Yeah. stops in front of you. The, wow. The car will actually stop itself. and backing up also so if you're backing up and don't see none the car will stop also incredible so it's actually gets control of the drive chain as opposed to just like the war you know we used to have the warning beeping and all that stuff yeah exactly it actually stops the car even wow. backing up yep you're and that's up. a standard feature on that's uh, a standard feature in the nissan rogue in yes. the nissan rogue yeah. wow and we have it out also in the uh nissan versa too all the new models that are coming out the 2020s the redesign because nissan's 
doing a lot of revamping. They're all going to go to having the, the safety shield standard. Wow! So as we're getting the new models in, they're all coming with that. Do you, do you see uh, you know as you as you read the trades or whatever, you know where is this all going? Are we going to self driving cars anytime soon, or or is it just going to be a lot of this assist stuff going on? You think? That's a good question. Um, I just got back from a Chicago meeting for Nissan. It seems like we're talking about Nissan yeah. a lot here. Yeah. Their, their advanced uh, uh, new electric car, they're talking it to be sort of like the Tesla where it drives itself. Wow. So uh, my just a pure guess, I would probably say in the next five years, you'll be seeing a lot more of that. In 10 years, it's hard to say where it could be. It could be a major part of our cars going. I was going to say the, tw- the 2030s yep. could be a totally different experience than Absolutely. the 2020s. Uh, yep. I think a lot of people aren't going to like that. A lot of people will. It's going to be, you know, something new comes in. Everybody has to get used to that. And it's yeah. different. Is there a talk, again, at that high level about this concept where um, – Again, you read these. You read these uh, different articles. Well, the millennials don't want to buy a car, or, or we're going to be doing a lot more car sharing and stuff like that. What's your take on a lot of that? You know, I don't see that in our city here a lot. No, um, nationally, uh, bigger cities, I see that happening because parking's so expensive. Do I think it's going to take over in the car business? Go kind of backwards in sales? No, I don't see that at all. That's no. I mean, is it, is there? I mean, is there growth happening in? In the sales, are just kind of holding its own, would you say, uh, in, in, as a market on a whole? Yeah, the, the biggest growth we saw was in 2017, and new cars hit a record high in the U.S. for sales. Um, and we're kind of hanging around that position right okay. now. We dropped a little bit uh, nationally. Everybody did, but it's kind of staying up there. It, it seemed like there were probably in 2017, there was some pent-up <clears throat> demand. You know, you didn't know where the economy was going. People right. need to feel good about making that investment right absolutely and that's why i think you know in our in our town price is very important clarity is very important that makes a lot of sense to me we're glad to have with us here joe bizarro he is the owner of interstate mitsubishi and interstate nissan right here in erie we're learning a bit about the car business and about the car buying experience and uh all right so we were just chatting uh uh during the news break here joe I lived in in Middle Tennessee, and I remember I I moved down there right after the Nissan plant went into Smyrna, Tennessee. You were saying a a statistic about that place. Yeah, I was telling you that uh, that is the biggest auto manufacturer plant in the U.S. Like domestic and foreign? Yeah, like the whole whole deal. Oh, for foreign, okay. They build a bunch of their cars there. And uh, how many cars do you think they build a day? Okay, uh... 80, 100? I have no idea. <laughs> they actually build 2,500 cars a 2, day. 2,500 cars? Yes. Nissan exports to eight different countries. They did almost, I think it was almost 800,000 last year. I actually got a chance to visit the plant about six months ago and go through it. Six million square feet. Unbelievable. The cars just coming right out wow. of the drive. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. Amazing experience, too. To, to, to do that kind of volume, you're, you're literally talking every 10, 15 seconds, there's a car rolling out, maybe every 30 seconds, right? I mean... Yeah, they're, it, it's, they're, they're coming out. They're coming out. I didn't count them. I was just so overwhelmed. <laughs> and then what? Are they on, onto a train or... They, they actually go out in the parking lot and they all get put under canopies and then some will get trained, some will get trucked to dealerships. Yeah. But, uh, wow. Yeah, they get boated out. But eight different countries, they export out of the u.s too i i I think i I think a lot of folks don't realize that that most of the most of the foreign brands have dropped plants here in the u.s and and now the u.s is the big manufacturer for a nameplate like nissan it is actually um i think if uh things are still the way they were the imports build a lot more cars here than the regular domestic plants and it's interesting because we always had that issue, you know, with labor or whatever. It doesn't seem yeah. to be a problem. No, not at all. And when you go down there and see these cars getting pumped out, you, wow. know, you, you would be surprised on. And plus all the people that are working. Normally when you go into manufacturing, you got robots building yeah, cars yeah, and yeah. stuff. This is all actually humans working on the cars. Cool. I wasn't allowed the video. I wanted to video, take yeah. pictures. Wasn't allowed, but what a great experience. Absolutely. All right, so let, let's talk about the car buying experience. So if let, let's walk people through. Uh, first off, 
when is it when is it smart to start thinking about buying a car? I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, because you see people rolling in with some some major issues in their existing uh, tra- mode of transportation. Yeah, sometimes you see that. <laughs> you want to probably start getting in the market before your car breaks down. Okay, <laughs> That's probably a good starting yeah. point. <laughs> but you know, a lot of times the mechanics will say, "Okay, here's what you're looking at for um, for inspection. I don't, I don't think you should put that money into that. It's time to get something different." Right. Absolutely. Um, you got to really watch before that, too. If you're spending some dollars on your car and maybe each inspection a thousand, you break that down over the month. I mean, is it really worth it to do to keep putting money into a car as of to get a new one and start paying that car down? And, and plus the technology that might be available now vis-a-vis a 10-year-old vehicle. Exactly. And the cars are only getting older. Your trade's only getting older. So you don't want to... A lot of people want to get the most out of it they can, but I would suggest always have something there to trade that's worth the value than, you know, just making it in the dealership and getting hardly anything for the car. Okay. So so pretty much still everybody is trading. They're not they're not trying to get rid of their car before that. It's it, pretty much everybody has a trade. Yeah, everybody does have a trade. And actually, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but we we at our dealerships are have a buy center. So if you ended up buying a car somewhere else, we would still give you uh, an offer on your car. Interesting. Yeah, you don't have to trade it with us, but we'll still give you a fair offer for the vehicle. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and and there's enough of a, again, understanding what the business is like, there's enough of a market um, when it comes to, gosh, the the auctions and all that stuff that you're able to, it it, it just all works, the wheels work in the the business? Yeah, it sure does, because if we buy some cars off the street that we wouldn't put it and retail them to customers, we would send them to an auction, but... At auctions, you have dealers from all over the place um, yeah. coming in and, and purchasing the cars. So yeah, there's there's a ton of them out there, and a lot of them, a lot of the dealers that go there, if they're cheaper cars, they're crushing them and partsing them out. Is that so, right? So. Yeah. So they're taking so many off. Okay. Mm-hmm. What as far as uh, being ready financially, what are you wanting? What what would you hope that somebody would be? Uh, in their knowledge base, what would they need to know, do you think, before they walk in the dealership? Or are you ready there to just kind of walk them through every step of the way? Yeah, you know, as we were talking earlier, we try to treat our customers way better than any other dealers. Not saying other dealers treat customers bad. Um, we, We like to take you through the process. We like to find a car that fits you that you're looking for not try to sell you something hey just because you had an interest in the car mm-hmm. we really want to make sure it fits your budget your lifestyle um and it's going to work for you so you don't leave the dealership like why'd i buy that car yeah. and you know we 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 want you I, I we just don't want to earn your business once we want to earn your friends and you and have you as repeat customers throughout the years is it is it helpful to do the on, you know, like you know, like in, in the housing business, everybody's online. They they open up Zillow and they start shopping for houses. Is that helpful to be really do your research online for these vehicles? Yeah, you know, I think you should do your research online. You should see what you can buy the cars for, and you should be able to see, you know, if there's any fine print on what you're going to pay for, what models. Um, one of the biggest things that I would say is, you know, you you want to start online shopping. Look at the dealerships you want to go to and check, you know, their reviews. Yeah. So you, you go to a dealership that's, you know, works hard and, and the customers are priority. And there's there's a lot of reviews out there right now. So And, and you'd be able to, let's say, from the Nissan or the Inter- or the Mitsubishi websites, understand trim packages and things like I mean, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, just all the all the different ways that you can get a vehicle like an Outlander, all the different ways. Yep. treatment uh, trim packages and absolutely stuff. you can check all the trim packages you can even change the color of the cars and you can there most websites i i believe at least ours do that have a payment calculator so you can see what you'd be paying before you even come in there what what are some of the what are some of the favorite um options that people i mean anymore <laughs> think about you know I, i'm old enough to have bought cars where Air was an option. Even I, the car I bought in Nashville, air was an option. I had to wait till it was put in <laughs> because and Nashville's like a hundred degrees in the middle of summer, right? So right. it's crazy. But go ahead. Uh, what are some of the options that people like in Erie? One of the biggest options they like is the four wheel drive. Um, another option is gas miles. 
um, an, and another option, which isn't an option. What's my warranty? How long am I going to get covered yeah. for? So there's a, like a few things. Options as equipment. I mean, it varies so much. You know, uh, some people like leather, some people don't. But most whatever equipment you're looking for, dealers have it today. Manufacturers have five, six, seven different trim levels to fit everybody. I like that it's that way where you kind of, if you want a base model, it, it's going to be base. If you want, you know, that midline, you're going to get a little bit better radio or a little bit better entertainment center. You're going to get a little bit better um, seats and so on. I mean, I, I like that it's like it, it kind of goes with... Uh, you know, with that level, or if you want that really high level, uh, it just has the bells, all the bells and whistles. Yeah, and we were just talking about air conditioning. You, said. yeah, I, I don't know how anybody would survive without air conditioning, but Mitsubishi, they do not do any cars built with crank windows or no power locks. Every car comes with power windows and and power. Is locks. there such a thing as a crank window still there, in? There is. <laughs> In 2019? Yeah, there is, actually. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have ever thought of that. Yeah, I don't Gosh. think. Some... My dad, he was all about that. He'd probably want that one then. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted the crank window and the AM radio because yeah. that's less for, for, to break. Yeah, right? exactly. you know, he was that kind of guy, you know, gotcha, yeah. uh, a product of the of the Depression. All right, so 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 we like our four-wheel drive around here. Um, uh uh, what about some of this, you know, like the, the backup cameras? But some of this stuff is is standard now, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I, yeah. a lot of manufacturers are going standard towards that. I know uh, some manufacturers are ahead of others to put standard equipment in to get that jump on them. But, yeah, yeah you know, safety equipment should be standard. You know, you're backing up. I drove a car the other day that didn't have a backup camera. I didn't know what to do. I had to look <laughs> over the seat. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's – Pretty much, it's moving that way to to that. Cameras are really good, In, incredible, and of course, you know the 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 safety factor for little ones that might be behind you, you can't see. It, it's hugely important. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, having having an idea where you are financially. Let, let's talk about that a second. There, um, you know, when is it really? You know. You know when are you, when are your when are your salesmen going to say you know what you really maybe maybe your credit rating or whatever you really need to go over to a u the used lot or how does that all work? I, well, we we it's always hard to tell someone what they can buy and what they can't buy. Uh, so when you when when you meet and greet and you try to find out what your wants and needs are, what's going to work. A lot of people are pretty educated on you know maybe their background or yeah. what what they've been through. Uh, so we really don't have a lot of issue like that. It's just finding that right product okay. that fits you. Um, I, we all want to have the car that's fully loaded for uh, $99 a month payment. <laughs> right. um, yeah, but we just don't do that. We we really try to find out, you know, what's going. What what are your wants and needs, and and how do you actually drive the car? What do you do? What's your everyday use? Do you think people really know, like? But like their credit score and all that stuff, Joe. I mean, you know, I've heard the the terms thrown out A paper and B paper and all that stuff. Uh, and again, this is just things that you you pick up through the years. I think a majority do. Um, yeah. With all the the credit karmas out there and all the all the online stuff. I mean, people people know where they're at and what they're. But are you? Are I mean, are you know, are people with you know. Numbers that are in the low sixes or high fives able to still get into a new car? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You're you're able to. Yeah. Um, you you just want to be careful when you're got a lower credit score that you, you still want to look at the deal you're getting. You want to make sure you know the car you're getting it's priced still at a competitive mm -hmm. rate. Um, you, you want to do that. So there's you you, ju you just don't really find that many surprises, is what you're saying? No. We haven't we haven't seen that many surprises. A lot of people know where they're sitting at, and you know if if some people don't, we try to put them in the best situation as possible. That's cool. Again, that's 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 that that the customer service aspect of this thing. Yeah, and actually, um, and because that's when people get really nervous, isn't it? Going to the finance desk, or or you're saying it's not. It's you. You try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, we do. I know you made a good point. Going into the finance office, you're going to get fine. Here's my final paperwork. Yeah, but 
when you do the sales correctly and, and the whole sale goes nice and smooth, it's going to go smooth through the finance office okay. and there's not going to be any surprises in there. Also, if your salesman's not being clear with you or you're kind of confused or unsure before you do it, then you'll probably get a surprise once you go in there. But going in smooth and seeing uh, everything ahead of time, you'll you'll be OK. Uh, percentage rates are pretty good these days, aren't they? For... Yeah, they're they're dropping down, so you can get yeah. some nice rebates and some good good interest rates going on right now. Yeah, it's uh, the car economy and the economy right now is really kicking good. So wow, yeah. The um, uh, talk about some of the extras, it, it, how important they are, you know, an, an extended warranty, t- all that kind of stuff. A, a lot of people get confused by all that. Yeah. So the extended warranties, uh, once again, you want to make sure the extended warranties that you're purchasing. Uh, We sell all manufacturer extended warranties that are right through the manufacturer. Uh, You really have to take a look at uh, the miles the car is when when you purchase it, if it's used or if it's a brand new one, how long am I going to keep it? How many miles am I going to put on it? Uh, But they're they're good coverage. The coverages are uh, some some people use them some people will never use them so i guess it's more just a peace of mind on sure you know how you feel going into it some people keep their cars three years uh, it's out of factory warranty they trade it in is that right yeah, yeah. absolutely the the um uh and so you know and some of these vehicles you have some pretty long uh drive tra- you know the drive train is what you're always worried yeah. about whether your tranny's going to go or not if you have a, a fluky one or you know what are, what are some of the doesn't Mitsubishi have a pretty long? Yeah, Mitsubishi is a strong warranty. We have a five-year, sixty bumper-to-bumper, ten-year, hundred-thousand-mile powertrain, and five years unlimited roadside assistance. Wow. Nissan actually has the five-year, hundred-thousand now. Wow. On the powertrain, which is which is good, but Mitsubishi is. I mean, like I said earlier, that's a underrated, uh, very reliable car. What what. When you were looking, I mean, again, you were in, you were in Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. You were working for somebody else at the time. Yeah, I was working for a Ford dealership actually down there. And then you said, "I want to, I want to have my own." What made you look at Mitsubishi? Did you find a hole in the market? I can take you through the story if you. Want. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> I, mean, I got, I got like a minute, maybe <laughs> okay. two minutes. Might yeah, take longer. <laughs> I'll speed it up. Yeah. So when I moved down to Pittsburgh, I was working for a car dealership down there, Ford store. Um, I kind of, I didn't know what it was like to be in a new car store. So when I went in there, um, it was easier than I thought. I kind of saw all the things on, you know, what the new car dealers down there did, how they treated their sales team. And, uh, it, it, it just became a fit, not for me. Um, what I like my vision. So I decided, uh, back in Oh three to move back to Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and I wanted to open up a dealership my own. And, yeah. and I wanted to do it my own way and build a team how I wanted to do it. So I started off as Interstate Auto Sales was just a pre-owned dealership in 2003. Um, 2003 and then 2007 is when I became a new car dealer. Um, a friend of mine had it and he wanted okay. to sell it to me. So yeah. I purchased Mitsubishi um, in 07 and... And, and but Mitsubishi up until that point really had been, I mean, it was just an add-on to somebody else's dealership, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, that's that's a pretty good memory there. Yeah, they were actually when I took over, I think a good year for them, they were selling about one or two cars a month, new cars. Yeah, so yeah, you wouldn't have been able to survive on no, that. No, and that uh, no, it was an add-on dealership. Yeah. Someone just had it, and it wasn't you know how they made their living. So yeah. But we we've taken it into the top ten in the country, Unreal. Um, and and ranked number one in customer service. Yes, last year. ranked number one, two thousand seventeen and eighteen in the U.S. for customer satisfaction. Number one. Very proud of my team. Congratulations. Yeah, you. I mean that is that is, and that's you know when you think about all that it takes, you know, right down to the janitor keeping the floors clean. Absolutely. It, it, it not only down, but you know what I'm saying. It's like everybody on the team is important to get that kind of rating. Absolutely, and, and you even the janitor on the floor. I mean, because you get rated on the cleanliness of your store, your visit. The it, it's just not me. It's my whole team. I'm very proud of them. They do an excellent job. Could not ask for anything better. I'm overwhelmed by um, 
you know, really somebody seeing a dream come true. I, I love the idea that you had a vision for what you, how you would create a dealership, kind of a new concept. Yeah, I did. You know, being in the car business my whole life, I, I saw, you know, so many things I wouldn't do. I'm not saying guys do it wrong, but it's just not the way that I wanted to do things. When my customers come in through the door um, and, and how they see and how they get taken through a car sale, um, which is what brought me where I'm at today, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so, all right, let, let's, let's bring the plane in for landing because we're literally down to our last four minutes. Um, y- you know, as folks are, are contemplating that new car, you know, they don't want to go into the winter, you know, with what they have. Um, what, what are the, what are the biggest tips that you can give, uh, that, that person that's contemplating coming into your dealership? Uh, let's go over it again. Um, if what's like the biggest misconception that people are walking in with, I guess. I think when you're ready to purchase a car, just to back it up a little bit, yeah. try to be a couple months ahead of time so you can go out and do some shopping. You can do some driving and, and go to that dealer that, uh, is going to give you a breakdown on everything. So you know what you're buying. It's transparent with you. Um, and, and then you can really lay everything out in front of you. Um, and make and, that- and, and are you guys, you guys are not, uh, you don't get your nose out of joint. If, if somebody's like in the, in the, the fact finding when their people are doing their fact finding. Absolutely not. We get a lot of people actually today coming in that looked at our vehicles at the auto show back in January, February. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because they take their time. That's how it should be. I mean, your major purchase, number one's a house. Number two is a car. Take your time and go. And I guarantee in Erie, Pennsylvania, whatever brand you're looking at, whatever dealer you're thinking about going to, somebody has already dealt with them. Ask them. Get their opinion. Yeah. Say, how's that How's that dealership? How, so, how is it? Yeah, so those those uh, ratings online and stuff are, are pretty important, aren't they? I think so. I think you go there and see. I mean, uh, it's it's a choice. There's, there's a lot of different uh, brands out there that you can go to, but... Really look into the dealer's background, mm-hmm. too, to make sure you're going to go and uh, feel comfortable and, and, and get a good deal. What uh, and, and again, it's it's unfortunate that a couple of dealers have been in the news, you know, this year. And, and, and so the, the, is that uh, a situation that is, is easy to stay away from if you're willing to, to kind of play on the up and up? That is, yeah. You know, the car business is not the easiest in the world. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it's a lot, a lot of hours demanding, but to do wrong, there's no excuse to do anything wrong. Um, you should do everything on the right. Customers come into our dealerships, uh, with, you know, the intent to buy and they trust you. They should leave that way also. Uh, that, that's why one of the things that I said to you is, you know, Look online. Look at ask a neighbor, ask a friend. How is this dealership to deal with before you go out? Um, unfortunately, and and I think the Erie people they don't put us all in one category. So right. all the car dealers no. are bad. You no. know, um, I, I love our Erie clientele. I mean, Erie's probably you know I told you I was living in Pittsburgh, but to deal with people in Erie is very easy, very nice uh, to deal with. It's it's a pleasure to do business here in area well i'm i'm excited for you joe and and it's 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 great to see how 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 you can bring excellence to your passion and bring and meanwhile the community is benefiting from it because again these are cars especially you know i mean both both brands uh the mitsubishi and the nissan but like you think about that mitsubishi that was selling one to two cars a month yeah. is now really you know, you see them everywhere, and it's at a price point where you're you're able to get somebody into a new car, a reliable, safe car, where they might be driving a junker otherwise. Absolutely, or buying a car that you know that is is not as reliable because you have some new cars that have a lot of issues, a lot of recalls. You might even want to take a look into that. But Mitsubishi, you cannot go wrong. Fantastic. Alrighty. We appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a super busy guy, but you made, you carved out the hour for us and we're so gl- grateful for that. And we're thankful for your sponsorship of, 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 uh, of WCTL and, and all the hard work that you do, uh, for the community here, because again, it's, it's that eerie boy living out his dream. I think that's a pretty remarkable and compelling story. So we appreciate that very much. Well, thank you, Joel. I really appreciate my time here on the line. Uh, 
is my good friend Brian Kerr from New Life Auto Center. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, Joel. How are you? Uh, I'm excellent. Of course, you know, uh, I've told you more than once that the the car uh, repair uh, experience at New Life Auto with Brian Kerr is so much less of a stressful situation with me because I know that this is a mechanic that I can trust. And so uh, you have my utmost respect and appreciation. All right, let's get your origin story. You grew up uh, uh, with your brothers, didn't you? Uh, yeah, we're from, from the Edinburgh area. And, uh, yeah, I, I needed a job when I was in high school. So I uh, I talked to Rick Walker at Walker Brothers and started Started into the automotive dealership right there in eleventh uh, grade in high school. Were you were you messing around like with uh, you know mini bikes and motors oh. and all that stuff back in the day? Oh goodness, yes. When uh, other kids were playing wiffle ball, I was taking apart lawn mowers, yeah. <laughs> uh, mini bikes, and if you wanted to ride them, you had to fix them. So <laughs> yeah, they all they always broke down. All right, so so. Um, so when did you, uh, you know, you you started out at Walker Brothers uh, washing cars, and that that basically leads you into the service department, or how does that all work? Yeah, I, I uh, well, I thought I had to go to college like everybody else did and get a four-year degree in engineering, but uh, partway into that process, I decided I wanted to be a mechanic because I saw what the mechanics were doing and said, hey, I I could do that, and I think I'd like that. So uh, Rick Walker steered me to an automotive school in Pittsburgh and uh, got an associate degree and started right into the dealership service department. When did you break out on your own? And, again, where was that first location? Oh, yeah. we. Uh, after a while, you start getting the itch thinking you could be your own boss. So uh, <laughs> we, you know, I saw other other little garages around it was funny because the dealership uh the general motors and they said oh there's not going to be independent garages around in 20 years you're not going to want to do that uh but i saw people doing it and uh happened to be looking for a house and drove by a garage in cambridge springs it was some people might remember frank lakovic's garage out past campbell's pottery but oh uh, yeah uh he was driving by there, and the realtor said, hey, that garage is coming up for sale. So, you know, about 2001, I went on my own, and we, uh, we've we been self-employed ever since. Yeah, and, and again, I remember many trips to that. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like you put a bay wherever you could find some uh, square footage to put a bay down there. You never have enough. Even here where I've got five bays, I could use four more. So. Is that right? <laughs> um, what, what's the big thing that that breaks in Erie, Pennsylvania? I mean, you know, we've got a lot of potholes. And, I mean, our, our, what, you know, what's the number one complaint of somebody knocking on your door? Well, in the car dealership, we didn't see it as much because the cars were two or three years old. But the biggest thing we fight here is rust and corrosion. Is that right? It's still brake lines, brake lines, and yeah, rust and corrosion is the number one thing. Even, even on a two or three year old car, the corrosion starts making the brake pads stick and stop moving, and then they wear unevenly. Parts wear out. Uh, brakes stick on and eat up your brakes, and just from rust and corrosion and getting that stuff cleaned out is the that's the biggest number one thing we fight. And they, even from a safety safety concern. Yeah. Rusted brake lines. There's no way to tell when something's going to blow apart because it's hard to follow brake lines and anticipate when they're going to blow apart. So, and, and again, no to the to the uninitiated, there's no such thing as a non-metal um, brake line, right? They have to be metal in order to take the kind of uh, psi on that hydraulics. Correct. Correct. Other than the reinforced hoses that flex out by your wheel the rest of it is all steel from the factory there's no stainless steel or some of them they coat with plastic but they rust out in the little spots where they're where they're not coated or if there's some chips that come up on there you know yeah incredible so that that's that's continues to be our issue because you remember a lot of us growing up with you know the old z-bart and you know rust-oleum you know what i mean the and that 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 seemed to that business has gone away, but sounds like uh, we still could use some undercoating. 
Well, it's been replaced. A lot of places are doing fluid film undercoating and, and similar products. And uh, it, it's, hard, it, it's thinner and it penetrates better. And it's not that big black goo that hangs off and made pockets like when we were younger. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, fluid film undercoating has gotten popular and there's places that do that. And some other products that are similar and uh, that that really goes a long way, especially if you catch the car early before it starts to rust. We, we're talking to Brian Kerr from New Life Auto Care. So the, 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 the concept of our main conversation is, you know, winter is really not that far away. Again, we're going to be going to grandmother's house in about six weeks or less, right, uh, for, for the turkey dinner. And that we always get snow around Thanksgiving. The, um, and you want to have your stuff done way before that. So let's go through the, like the five top things that we need to do to get ready for winter. Let's, so what's your number one? Well, it, it is a good time to start thinking about your car because of the weather change. Uh, maintenance, getting those maintenance items caught up that you've neglected or, you know, you were too busy during the summer. So, it, it, and it's funny because it used to be every 30,000 miles, everybody used to say, get spark plugs, get transmission fluid, get coolant changed. Now cars, most of the transmission fluids, most of your coolants last 100,000 miles. Wow. And so you kind of tend to forget about those things. And then there's some other items under there that maybe they're not even on the maintenance schedule. And, uh, you know, if you don't look at them for 100,000 miles, they could develop leaks. And all of a sudden you've got a $1,400 part with no oil in it. Oh, my Because goodness. it's been leaking slowly over the years. So yeah. get with a good mechanic that you trust. Get the car up in the air. Go over with them the maintenance schedule on your vehicle. Some cars have timing belts that are due every 100,000 miles or so. Uh, so a lot of the newer cars, you don't have a lot to worry about other than oil changes up until you get towards 100,000 miles. But nowadays, we're putting on miles quickly on our cars. So get with your mechanic and look under it, look, at, look for fluid leaks, and go over that maintenance schedule and see what you've done and what you haven't done and what needs to be caught up. And, a lot and, of the items we catch during a state inspection. right. But, but it's not it's not too oils, yeah. it's it's not too late you know if you if you've let it slide ten, 5 or 10,000 miles to kind of get that thing caught up and get that in there. Yeah, it's never too never too late. There's always uh, I, unfortunately there's always things that need done, but boy your car is one of your biggest investments and to you know drive it and 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 the uh problems it can cause if you're driving especially in winter if we get caught out in the middle of a snowstorm and something's broken or you blow out a brake line or you uh you know something stops working that's not the time when you want to have that happen so you get it looked over and have all those head to tail all those things that that can be changed or adjusted get those things done and winter time's a good time to start thinking about that so. i don't do do you think that people realize how hard winter is on a car like when you think about it brian you know you're starting your car at uh, 20 or 15 degrees you know you're already below freezing i mean just just the act of starting it up and warming it up and getting to work and again most of our people around here they have you know 20 minute commutes and so you have that start you know and then stop and then you're you know sitting another eight hours in the cold and then you're starting you know i mean i mean that that's not great for a car if you want to have fun at the water cooler, all you got to do is ask, hey, should I warm up my car in the morning? And you'll inevitably start a battle because <laughs> guys, you know, an older guy, oh, no, you want to just start it up and go. Or, no, you want to let it warm up 20 minutes. And I let my car warm up because I don't want to get in the cold car, and I don't care whether it hurts the engine or not. As far as I can tell, it doesn't. Okay. But people say, oh, you want to just jump in it and go. And no. I, I think warming it up and letting the fluid circulate is the right thing to do, and most of the guys I've talked to agree. But uh, 
All right, so maintenance is that number one thing that we need to think about here. Um, uh, let's take our break early, and then we'll go to n- number two, three, four, and five after the break. Okay. We're talking to Brian Kerr. He's from uh, New Life Auto Care uh, out on Girard there. Again, he takes care of the Natalie vehicles and uh, has for a long, long time. And, and again, um, you know, uh, you, you see everything. You see, you know, the... The unique, uh, the unique foreign cars, the imports, and the domestic stuff. They're, they're, everything under the sun is is driving around in Erie, aren't they? Yep, and we'll we'll take a. We work on most things uh, other than big diesel trucks. We uh, we work on most anything, even if it's a Triumph or an MG or your 2017 Dodge Ram pickup. It doesn't matter. Got to get on these things pretty early, and that's what Brian Kerr says. He's from New Life Auto Care. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is not too early to be thinking about uh, getting your car ready for winter, isn't it? It It's not. I saw frost on the neighbor's roof yesterday, a couple of days ago. So uh, <laughs> That's true. It's, it's right around the corner. All right, so you said number one uh, winter car care tip uh, of the top five things you need to do to to get ready for winter is get that maintenance schedule. Take a look at that. Work with your mechanic uh, and uh, get the things that that maybe you've been putting off done. What's number two? You know, this is one my wife mentioned, which I even forgot about. She said, you know, you got to have a safety kit in your car, and we did this for our girls. Uh, You know, the emergency blanket, uh, some sort of flasher or flares, you know, uh, jumper cables. And, you know, if it's your kids, instruct them how to use jumper cables if they need to, because sooner or later they're going to leave something on. A lot of the cars are smart now, and they shut your power off if you leave something on after 15 minutes. But, uh, boy, you still need them once in a while. So, you know, an emergency kit is is a good thing. You know, you get stranded on I-90, it can be stuck there for hours. Yeah, oh my goodness, that's huge. Yeah, and, and the blanket and maybe maybe a couple bottles of water that you just leave back there. Yeah, absolutely. They'll be frozen when you need them. But, uh... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so that emergency kit, all right. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> uh, you know those those annoying lights on your dashboard that you always ignore? Mm. Uh, that tell you your anti-lock brakes and your traction control is not working right, and you know you didn't care in the summertime. That's a it's time to get those looked at. Uh, you know anti-lock brakes and traction control. You may be able to drive your car because you and I grew up with rear-wheel drive cars and no safety controls. But younger people, those anti-lock brakes and traction control makes a world of difference in the way the vehicle drives in the snow. And, uh, and Brian, can car, you can you uh, drill down on? What could be a sensor problem or what could be an actual brake problem? Yeah, well, the lights usually come on because there's an electrical problem of some sort, a sensor not reading right. And there's actually a sensor on all of the wheels so the computer can think faster than you can. And it can apply brakes just to one wheel to straighten a car out uh, or to give you more traction. Uh, And if one of those sensors is not reading right, it's going to turn the light on. Uh, or, you know, you could have a bad wire, you could have a bad module that runs the system, uh, something in your anti-lock brakes or your traction control and uh, could be wrong. If you have a red brake light on, that can be your actual brake pads and so forth. Uh, if you have a leak in one of the brake lines, we'll turn that light on. So don't ignore those lights on your dash. They're there for a reason. And uh, unless your mechanic, you know, unless you work with your mechanic and you understand completely the the reason that it's on, don't ignore them. That that's really really crucial advice because again, some of those some of those could be leading to a, a total you know a total big problem that you're going to be facing. All right, so uh, we got to watch the the warning lights. Um, what else? Your battery. Your battery. Oh. You're going to find out when it's bad on the coldest morning that you need your car to start. Now, do they do they ever do they ever give you a little bit of a warning? Sometimes, sometimes if you listen to your radio for five minutes in the parking lot and then your car just clicks and you have to get a jump, it's time to get a battery. Mm. Uh, You uh, the coldest days are when the battery will give up. That's when it's required to do the most work. You're asking the most from it. Your engine's cold. The oil is thick. 
It's trying to turn your engine over, and if your battery's going to fail, that's when it's going to do it. Uh, so having it tested, even if it seems like your car's starting fine, you think, gee, I haven't put a battery in my car for years. Well, five years, maybe seven if you have a really good battery, but five years is about the lifespan. Uh, so it's good to get it tested. If you've had it for over five years and, you know, you open your hood and you can't even identify what make your battery is because it's all slimy and dirty and corroded, that's probably a good time to change it. And they're not that expensive compared to getting your vehicle towed or missing half a day of work and having your boss getting mad at you. You know, it's, it's a good time to at least have it tested, if not just change it out. And, and this is definitely something, and again, you know, you and I are old enough to remember, you know, I, I used to change my own oil. I used to do all this stuff. I don't do any of that anymore because these cars are so darn complicated. And I don't and, do any of it either more, anymore either. I have my mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, like a battery I'd be so scared of because I'd be afraid that I'd blow up the computer. I mean, is that, is that, is that a real fear? It is, it is, um, and I've almost done it myself. If you happen to grab a battery that looks similar, but the terminals are switched around, you could set the battery in, hook it up, and if, the, if it's connected backwards, it will blow fuses, it will blow electronics. And we've had, I won't name any stores, but other stores that have, you know, they've got a young person changing your battery, for you because you don't know how to do it and they don't know how much to do it you know it's easy to easy to connect them backwards or short something out and yeah. uh, so it it's definitely a thing so yeah uh there's good reason and even there's even uh special tools that they have which you can plug into your cigarette lighter which keeps your electronics alive while you're changing the battery uh so you don't lose computer memories you're your engine computer and your transmission computer both learn how you drive, and they adapt pressures in the transmission and the way they shift according to your particular driving style. And if you disconnect the battery, all that starts over again. And that's not a—it's not the end of the world, but that's—that's uh, that's actually a thing. You can hurt the computer if you hook it up wrong. And uh, it will change things, let alone, you know, you lose your radio stations, which is not a big deal. But. <laughs> right. Well, you got to keep that 105.9. The, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So we're down to our last uh, two minutes here. What else do we need okay. to know? The last thing and the most important thing is tires. Tires oh, are yeah. probably the biggest thing when you start thinking about wintertime. You think, oh, they pass inspection. They must be okay. It only takes two thirty seconds of it. We, we measure tires in 30 seconds of an inch. So... If your mechanic says, oh, there's two thirty seconds of an inch, that's a sixteenth of an inch of tread. That's If you get a rainy day, your car could go sliding. I had a customer just slid off the road in a rainstorm and totaled their vehicle. Wow. Just not enough tread on the tires. And, you know, even if it passes inspection, you know, you really need to, you know, ask your mechanic if you can't tell or, you know, is there enough tread on here for winter? You know, my... A lot of people like winter tires. Yeah, we do. Yeah. My my um, my I put I put winter tires on my wife's car because she she works up in in Summit and there's just enough of the snow belt there uh, to yeah. to not trust it. Um, and I saw uh, you know one of these first snowfalls of the year. I saw a tow truck from Peterson saying, you know, I would be I'd lose half of my business if people would just put snow tires on their cars. It really makes a difference in Erie, PA, doesn't it? And it, it doesn't have to be snow tires. It can be just a good set. I run all seasons on my vehicle uh, because I don't want to change them out twice a year. Mm -hmm. But I get a good set of all seasons, put them on there until they are about half or quarter, you, you know, left on them. And then I change them out again because it's, you know, you, you don't want to slide up the off the road. And you need the tracks. Some people go for the studded tires, which is even a bigger, I think, a bigger pain. But some people need them. If you've got a steep driveway or where you go to work, you need them. Uh, can only run them from November 1st to April. But, uh, you know, some people really like those. I, I think if you're going to do that, it's good to put them on a separate set of rims or wheels, change the whole things over because it's a lot more cost effective. But 
Are you are you saying that if if you if you do do the winter tire, sometimes getting that set of rims is almost like you you're going to pay for that in the first uh, uh, transition or something like that? Is that a good idea? Well, it's it's going to be a lot easier to change over. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of times, and people don't realize this. Uh, you know, no matter how careful your mechanic is, you can damage the the bead where it seals on the tire. Um. Uh, that can get damaged taking the tires off and on and off and on, especially since the tires are much bigger than they used to be. Back when tires were 15-inch wheels 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, wasn't as big a deal. But now we've got the 18, 19, you know, big big wheels with low-profile tires on them. You know, it's easy to damage the rim or damage the tire when you're changing them. So switching them over twice a year, is can you can cause damage on your vehicle, actually. Brian Kerr from New Life Auto Care. Perfect, uh, you know, getting us ready for the winter. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.